2: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and put days like today into context. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me, at Jim Kramer. Four weeks a year, we are tortured by a group of the most important companies in the world that insist on reporting earnings at the exact same time. It leads to total confusion. So it's endless doubt. And worst of all, makes my darn life miserable. If I were running any of these companies, the first thing i do is switch the da- data to a more placid moment when investors have the time to be rigorous. Like, hey, how about November? But I'm not in charge. So you get tons of scattershot days that are much more intense than they need to be. Sometimes it works out, though. Today, we got some excellent action, with the Dow storing 749 points, S&P surging 2.37%, and the Nasdaq gaining 2.31%. This was a session where the bears got absolutely gored by the rare bond market bulls who decided to romp off a story that the Fed's next 75-minute basis point rate hike might be the last one of that size. I think it's possible because the Fed might not want to be perceived as doing something that could swing the midterm elections in a few weeks. However, this kind of story does have the half-life of a mayfly, and I doubt it will hold up under any close scrutiny. Well, daylight like today shows you what the market can look like once the Fed's done tightening. That's what today was. That's what this, that's, you look at the prices and you say, oh, that's what it looks like. Now, I don't think the done tightening is in the cards anytime soon. But it's nice to have a roadmap, isn't it? So what does it, what does lie ahead? Why don't we, you know what, we ought to look at the game plan. That's my plan. Let me give you the game plan for next week. There's a lot going on, like I said. All right, I got to move over here because there's so much going on. Monday starts off with a company that comes under fire as being a post pandemic play in a, po- a post pandemic world. A pandemic play, post pandemic, and that's Logitech. I read a lot of negative comments about Logitech this week, so maybe they can surprise. That'd be nice to make equip- equipment. Uh, for uh, peripherals for the PC. Unfortunately, the PC market has been gutted and glutted, which means the that could go lower. The PC business, despite what happened this week, is awful. Tuesday, well, that's the real onslaught. That's when it begins. We hear from Hal Burton, the number two oil service firm. Today, their chief rival, Schlumberger, reported a fantastic quarter. They almost led all the stocks, and the pin action, holy cow, extended right to Kramer Fave and Charitable Trust Company, Halliburton, I bet it's got more room to run. Much more. We also get results from a company that's been hammered thanks to guilt by association. That's United Parcel. Yes, remember, not too long ago, FedEx reported one of the worst shortfalls I've ever seen, and the rest of the transports have been awful. I expect similar from UPS. Two weeks ago, PepsiCo was the star, and I think that we can see the same thing, uh, maybe even better, from Coca-Cola. There's so much to like from the asset-light model that CEO James Quincy's been pushing. General Motors reports, too. Now, I fear that, like Ford, They'll have to contend with higher costs and lower sales. Then there are two fallen angels, General Electric and 3M. I hope they can explain the weaknesses behind their stocks because I got to tell you, they mystify me and I didn't just fall off the stock truck. Also in the morning, we get the results from Raytheon Technologies. That's a high-tech defense contractor. Lockheed Martin delivered a terrific number this past weekend. I bet Raytheon does the same. You probably want to pick up some Raytheon ahead of that quarter. The war in Ukraine has eaten into our armed stockpiles and the defense budget wildly goes and grows and grows. It's very much a buy. After the closed Tuesday, Alphabet reports. And I'm actually expecting a good set of numbers thanks to the strength of YouTube. This stock got dinged on Snap's miserable quarter before rallying late in the day and finishing positive. But the funny thing is, I believe Alphabet's taking share from Snap because Google search gives advertisers the right eyeballs. And Snap is really, in the end, some messaging site for children that big venture capitalists decided it had to be more, even though it wasn't. Then there's Microsoft, which is more of a le- more or less pre announces PC-related weaknesses, but hasn't disclosed to anything about their strength on the enterprise or gaming side. I think the stock works when we hear the, well, exactly how well the enterprise part of the business is doing. Chipotle reports, too. Now, I bet they have no trouble beating the estimates because the chain's got so much going for it. Best food? We didn't order from it today. What the heck's that about? Good, uh, great technology and a workforce that doesn't turn over much. So staffing and training are very easy and more important, less expensive than most quick serve outfits. What a terrific story Chipotle is. Hey, you want a terrific story? How about end phase? I got to what they say about solar. Remember, that was uh, this one was the number one theme of the third quarter. So many people love this stock. It's been fabulous. My guess is this stays that way. Now, I have not had worried about Visa. Why? Well, I know there's lots of traveling and that should help Visa, but I hear his fee structure may be under fire. I didn't like the rea- reaction to American Express today, which was a good quarter. My advice, let's wait and see. No jumping ahead on this one. Visa's got too many complications. Wednesday, oh, Fallen Angel Boeing reports. So will this be the quarter they finally tell us good things? I hope so, but hope is not part of the equation. On the other end of the spectrum, I always enjoy Bristol-Myers because they tend to announce good things on their call. After the closed Wednesday, we hear from the Meta platforms, the old Facebook. And by the way, I am now I'm the only believer in this stock. I think Mark Zuckerberg doesn't really care for as much as I do. I think Facebook and Insta- he's the founder CEO. Yeah. I think Facebook and Instagram will show growth. WhatsApp can be monetized. Reels is taking share from TikTok. The Metaverse itself. Too early to make a judgment, but I accept that. How about Ford, another Chapel trust name? Can it go back to the mid-20s where it's trading in its glory days? That's going to be hard, but Ford definitely has the cars and trucks that people want. It just doesn't have enough of them, and the are costing too much to make. ServiceNow announces its quarter, too, and we have to remember that this amazing software company missed on one small line last time, yet the unforgiving market obliterated stock. I hope that's over with. Thursday morning, we hear from two great industrials, Caterpillar and Honeywell. Both stocks reflect nothing good. Kat's got a strong book of infrastructure orders. Honeywell, charitable trust name is great. Infra and climate control systems. I like both of these ahead of the quarters. Next, someone downgraded McDonald's earlier this (laughs) week. I don't like it. Are you kidding me? Sure, the dollar's too strong for their overseas business, but Mickey D's is master at making money. I bet they'll do just fine. Stocks will buy. After the close, we hear from two real controversial stocks, Apple and Amazon. These we own both for the Chapel Trust. There's been so many stories written about how Apple's doing poorly, that unless it really implodes. I doubt there'll be that much downside. Remember, my watchword: own Apple, don't trade it. As for Amazon, it's supposedly not doing that well on Prime days. But I think the brilliant decision to broadcast all the Thursday night NFL games on Prime is working well for them. Plus, the people who work at Amazon Web Services recently told us the business is terrific, and we know their advertising division is doing well, certainly much better than, than uh, Snaps. <laughs> I like Amazon very much. Also, after the close, we get the results from T-Mobile. And I got to tell you, today Verizon reported some very weak numbers. But I'm wondering if they aren't once again donating market share to T-Mobile. While well, at finally did well this quarter, I think T-Mobile is still doing better than everybody else. Friday's oil day. It always is. Both Chevron and Exxon report. You know what? They're going to be terrific. For the first time, they'll both be good. And as I constantly tell investing club members when I'm trying to teach them, the oil industry is brimming with cash, which is why we own so many of them for the trust. I think business is so good the big integrators can print whatever numbers they want. Colgate reports, too. This is very interesting because it's attracted the interest of Dan Loeb, the well-known activist money manager who wants Colgate to unlock the value of its Hills pet food business. I've always wondered if Colgate would make its division bigger, but I think they're a better consumer packaged goods place. Let me give you the bottom line here. It has been a long time since we've come into the heaviest week of earnings season this hot. That makes for a tougher setup. But so many companies have battened down the hatches, so to speak, and, and prepped for a recession. So if we don't get a severe slowdown, then they will indeed keep flying. I say we go to Mike in my home state of New Jersey. Mike! Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Oh, good to have you on, Mike. What's up? Love the show. Uh, love your know, longtime viewer, uh, reader of your books. Thanks for everything that you're doing. Uh, oh, Jim. thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Go thank ahead. you, sir. Jim, with recession looming, I'm looking at the affordable restaurants and fast food chains, seeing which ones are appetizing. I wanted to get your thoughts on buying W.E.N. Wendy's. Okay, I, it is no longer my favorite. I think it's just doing okay. It uh, it's reported a couple of good quarters. It's a little more expensive. I'm saying let's go with Chipotle. They report next week, and I like the number very much. I know it's got a big dollar amount. That's a pain. Just buy ten shares instead of hundred. All right, let's go to Rubin in Illinois. Rubin,
3: hey Jim, big booyah from Chicago.
2: Oh, hey, I'll see you soon. I'm going to Binnie's tomorrow, doing a couple bottle signing in my Mezcal Fosforo. It's actually my wife's. But drop by a couple of Binnie's and we're going to have a great time. Let's I intend to see you there, please. What's up? Let's go. Uh, love the Mezcal. So, Jimmy, I want to pick your head about an uh, awesome financial services firm. Uh, they they are they do turn a profit. They do return capital. Um, net interest revenue increased in the last quarter 44% to $2.9 billion. They just had earnings this Monday, and I don't understand why the stock's not moving. Can you, can you talk to me about Charles Schwab? All right. Now, Schwab, people believe that this particular part of the uh, stock market is too competitive. Oh, I disagree. I think Schwab is a very good stock. I have to like Morgan Stanley Moore, which does a very similar model. But Schwab is a darn good company, and I'm happy to affiliate with them. All right, so many companies—I don't, but I wish I would or whatever. You know what I mean. I like them so many companies have battened down the hatches and prepped for recession So which is something that jeff Bezos has said we should all be doing so if we don't get a severe slowdown they're going to keep flying <laughs> everybody yeah, today they never to moved higher today after yesterday's decline so could this be the beginning of a longer term trend i'm going to dig in to find this charitable trust story that american express fell after earnings but is the panic <laughs> warranted? i'll give you my take and with the market continuing its volatile action it is time to play m I diversified. See if we can handle whatever the market throws at you. So I want you to stay with Kramer. Don't
3: miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call
0: at indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need indeed At this
2: point in earnings season, when the quarterly reports are coming fast and furious, it's impossible for the market to get everything right. So uh, look. this period is so chaotic that money managers are constantly making mistakes as they try to evaluate the results from dozens of companies at once. Plus, everyone wants to jump the gun, which is not conducive to good decision making. That's why I like to circle back to the earnings reports that I think the market got wrong, because you can find some terrific opportunities by combing through the reject pile looking for stocks that were unfairly punished. I'll give you one that was unfairly punished. Take Danaher. Yeah, Danaher, the big life sciences and medical technology conglomerate that we own for our charitable trust. You can follow it in the charitable trust, our investing club. We like it so much that it is our third largest position, weighing in at 4.7 percent of the portfolio. We've been buying all the way down. I've been recommending Danaher for ages for the club, because it's been such a tremendous long-term story. But it's also a stock that requires a ton of hand-holding, given that it's not exactly simple. It's a difficult story to learn. There's a lot of noise here, especially as the world goes back to normal post-pandemic. The thing about Danaher is it's frequently misunderstood, as it was this week. For example, yesterday, the cut reported a sizable sales and earnings beat really huge, while management also raised parts of their full year forecast. Sounds fantastic, right? Yet the stock actually plunged more than five percent. Plunged. I mean, this was insane. This is the definition of insanity right here. They plunged because Wall Street didn't understand it. Someone said they didn't like it. I say they didn't understand it. I think the market's negative real container was a total mistake, a huge one. And I'm not just saying that because the owner for the charitable trust. I'm saying it because I've done the homework. And when you look under the hood, that sell-off doesn't make any sense. If anything, you should treat the pullback here as the essence of a buying opportunity. You had to read the conference call and know the company and know the history of the company to know that they're straight shooters and that this shouldn't have happened, and you got a buying opportunity. So what the heck happened that caused Dan Hurd to sell off what I'm calling a great quarter? First, you need to understand the context. Normally, in a Fed-mandated slowdown, data is exactly the kind of stock you'd want to own. They're an arms dealer to the pharma and biotech industry, selling them all kinds of big-ticket items that you need to research drugs and vaccines, along with related consumables. If you're going to grow in the drug business, you need data. There are very few players in this space, and the industry is about as recession-resistant as it gets. But, big but here, data is also widely perceived as a COVID winner. You know what happens to those? They've been hated, and that's why the stock's lost more than twenty-five percent of its value this year to date. In retrospect, we started buying too early this time around. Made a lot of money in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. This time around, we started too early. That's okay. I play with an open hand. But you need to know is that, this, that there are a lot of skeptics out there who don't believe Daner can continue making good money as their COVID-related businesses wind down. Then yesterday morning, the company comes out with a magnificent top and bottom line beat. The revenue came in much higher than expected. That's up 10% year-over-year. And they also delivered a $0.30 earnings beat off of a $2.26 basis. All told, they had 10% organic growth, with strength across all three of their core businesses, life sciences, diagnostics, and then environmental and applied solutions. By the way, I think that when they reported, they expected the stock to be up big. But it couldn't because of what I'm about to tell you. See, they, they got a nice margin boost by cutting costs while raising prices. People didn't seem to think that was fair. How else can you do it? Danner gave you a good forecast too. What more could you want? So why in the stock did the, in the world did the stock get hit? As we told investing club members, we think Danner sold off because of broader worries about the bioprocessing market. On Wednesday, one of their German competitors an Sartorius, said that his business was slowing with high inventory levels. In other words, customers stocked up on these bioprocessing supplies, and they're now ordering less or maybe even canceling double orders. This has been done in a lot of industries. Is it happening in this one? I'm actually not worried about that for Danaher, because on the conference call, they made it clear that while their clients are moving away from COVID-related products, and anyone who studied Danaher knew that this was not the first time, maybe it's about the 10th time they've said it, but now the clients are refocusing spending on the much larger non-COVID-related space where their bioprocessing sales grew at a 20% clip. I want you to keep this number in mind, 20%, because we don't have a lot of companies that give you that kind of number. As for the excess inventory among life science alphas that everyone's fretting about, Dana expects an inventory burn down. I had not heard that term before, but I like it. By those players in the coming quarters. So to the extent that there's any problem here, it is a short-term one. Plus, the company also talked about working more closely with customers get a better understanding of the production plans and reduce the risk of overstocking down the line. I don't think it made a sense to dump Danaher at all off these worries about a single business line. When you drill down, their life sciences division is on fire, as farm and biotech firms are now investing more aggressively in everything that's not related to COVID. Life science instruments in particular are on fire. On the diagnostic side, Danaher gave you a monster beat with some tremendous growth from the respiratory testing business as the Western Hemisphere braces itself for a very tough cold and flu season. And you know that. And Data is the way to play it. Finally, the smallest part of the business, environmental and applied solutions. Think water quality testing, product identification is also doing fine. DataHer actually plans to separate this division, perhaps as a spin-off, so they can focus on human health. While the split-off does environmental, and it's going to be called EAS, that can roll up related businesses. Remember, data has been spinning off its more cyclical business for years, and the stock almost always gets a boost afterwards, which is what surprised me that no one's thinking it's not gonna happen this time. This was your beginning of the surprise, for heaven's sake. For example, in 2016, they spun off their industrial business known as Fortive, okay? Uh, And then a few months later, they used the proceeds to buy Cepheid, that's a molecular diagnostic company it has been a total home run. It's, if you listen to calls, you'll know that. And you had an inkling this was going to happen here, but then it's definitely here. Oh, by the way, you were, anybody who's a technician sees that clear reverse head and shoulders pattern. In the end, Daner does have some issues. The inventory overhang and bioprocessing, think COVID PCR tests, the lockdowns in China. They're doing pretty well in China and pockets of excess inventory in Europe. But you know what? They didn't lower their full-year forecast. In fact, they reiterated their full-year core sales growth guidance. So if these problems are serious, why didn't Danaher cut their forecast? They're straight shooters. They've been around for a long time. They also have huge cash flow that they can use to find acquisitions down the line. And when it comes to buying other businesses, nobody's got a better track record than Danaher. In the end, if you're worried about a slowing economy like so many are, how can you not want to be levered to the picks and shovels company for the recession-resistant healthcare industry that so desperately needs to develop new drugs to keep their pipelines full? This is a company that's essential for everything from individualized vaccines, which we know the Modernas of the world are working on, to cancer treatment, pretty much every firm is doing that, to life sciences. Those are all secular growth stories. Nobody's cutting their equipment spending in pharma because of recession. So let me give you the bottom line on this amazing company that you're finally getting an unbelievable buying opportunity. Yes, did we bite here? Were we too early here? Absolutely. Are we too early here? No, we're not. Thanks to yesterday's mistaken sell-off, you're now getting a chance to buy one of the best companies, best-run companies in the world at a big discount. I think you gotta take the advantage of this pullback on Monday morning because standards is too good to ignore, especially with the EAS spinoff coming up. And don't forget, quarter was very, very strong despite what you may have heard rumored or heard or read. They have money back Coming up
3: express yourself. nothing more American than a look into this company's earnings.
1: Next The spirit of performance defines Acura and now it's electric introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash card.
2: All right, what the heck just happened to the stock of American Express? All night I've been talking about how the market tends to make mistakes when we get to the most congested part of the earnings season. And those mistakes are often opportunities. And when I see American Express, the stock, down almost 2% today. And by the way off much more at one point on what I thought was a pretty terrific quarter. I think that's the story. The credit card company gave you top and bottom line beat, with management even raising their full-year earnings forecast. Yet the stock got hit so hard that it's now within 10 points of its 52-week low, set earlier this month. They know nothing! So why were the results from American Express received so poorly? And why do I think the stock is a buy? All Okay, first you need to know that the stock started the year pretty strong. As American Express has widely viewed as one of the best ways to play the post-COVID reopening. Whether you're talking to the resurgence of travel or dining out, Amex was set to benefit. They even put through a big dividend hike in late January, saving real confidence in the year ahead. You can't just take those right back. But a few weeks later, Russia invaded Ukraine, throwing the European economy into chaos. And then the Fed got more aggressive here in America, making us worry about a global recession. A house so of pain. Since then, American Express has just been clobbered, falling from just under $200 to the $130 hit the lows and by the 140 as of today. It didn't seem to matter that the company had a great first quarter and a terrific second quarter. With management even raising their full-year revenue forecast the last time they reported, the stock just hasn't been able to defy the gravitational pull of the market. Why? One word. Fear. Everyone's afraid that a worldwide slowdown will cause major declines in consumer spending and more people defaulting their credit card debt. Both bad news for American Express. So you've got to understand that this market's highly skeptical of Amex, and Wall Street's simply never going to give it the benefit of the doubt in this environment. Certainly they didn't get the benefit of the doubt three months ago, did it? It's enough to make me wonder if the actual numbers even seem to matter to people right now. They always do, though. Sure enough, American Express reported a terrific quarter this month, this morning, and the stock sold off anyway. Everybody's worried about that weakening consumer and growing credit loss. However, there's not much in here to justify those fears. America's best gave you a solid top and bottom line beat. Non-interest revenues up 23% year over year. Net interest income up 29%. That's fabulous. The U.S. consumer credit card business was up 27%, commercial up 23%, international up 19%, and it would have been 34 if not for currency fluctuations. Network services up twenty six percent. These these numbers are blow away numbers. Now Steve, CEO Steve Query, whom I just absolutely love, because he's just a straight shooter. Remember we did that piece of Bar and Gill with him. He told a great story about record revenues for the second quarter in a row, with high levels of customer engagement and customer loyalty. Overall spending by the customers was up twenty one percent. For heaven's sake, that's not really consistent with the weekend consumer, is it? Squiri calls out travel and entertainment spending up 57 percent year over year. Remember, it's it's that kind of economy, right? People go in places with international travel and entertainment vibes finally surpassing pre-pandemic levels. I think that's huge. How about those loan losses that everybody's afraid of? Squiri says, and I'm going to quote here, our credit metrics also remain strong, even as we steadily rebuild loan balances with delinquencies and write-offs continuing to be low. We have not seen changes in the spending behaviors of our customers, end quote. Then he says he's mindful of the mixed signals from the economy. But so far, the pain simply hasn't hit yet. The
3: House of Pain.
2: Most importantly, Marketing Express maintained their full year revenue forecast, calling for 23 to 25 percent growth. And they raised their earnings forecast. Again, not at all consistent with the slowdown. So then why didn't Wall Street like the numbers? I'm going to give you three main points of contention here. First, American Express is decelerating growth, whether you're talking about net volumes, bill business, or total revenue net of interest expenses. The growth rate's slowing versus where it was earlier this year. Although, given how much the stock's fallen over the past eight months, my sense is that's baked in the cake. American Express grew at an incredible pace as we came out of the worst pandemic, uh, and worst period of the pandemic, actually. So, of course, those numbers would decelerate as the comparisons get more difficult. Plus, let's see, um, they're still growing at a 20%-plus clip, most large capitalization companies would absolutely kill for those numbers. Second, I think this is really the big one. American Express had higher-than-expected provisions for credit losses, meaning setting aside money, uh, more money for bad loans. We're talking $778 million. Wall Street was only looking for $574 million. Remember, everybody's terrified of what will happen to the earnings when people start defaulting their credit card bills. Reasonable, that's what happens. And I think the bears sold this number and took it as justification of their fears. Man, and look, if you go back historically, that $778 million number is really nothing. In the third quarter of 2019, when the economy was booming with hardly any inflation, America Express had 879 million provisions for credit losses. While the number this time was higher than expected, it, indeed it was. There's only because expectations have been warped by the last few years, where there are hardly any bad loans because the government was so busy throwing money at you. Oh, by the way, don't forget, when you are adding as many new people as Express is, you have to boost the provisions per se. It's called prudence. More importantly, their credit card quality is great. In the fourth quarter of 2019, the last full quarter before the pandemic hit, Merck Express had card member loan write-offs of 2.3 percent and bills more than 30 days past due at 1.5 percent. Today, those numbers are just 0.8 percent and 0.9 percent, respectively. I couldn't believe how good they are. Could it get worse as we head into a Fed-mandated recession? Of course. I mean, come on. Uh, but the stock's trading like it's going to be disastrous, and we've seen no evidence of that whatsoever. Typically, bad loans are tied to employment, which remains at record levels. How about the third negative? Okay, well, Market Press said their full-year earnings would come in higher than the previous guidance. That previous guidance was substantially lower than what the analysts were expecting, and they didn't give us a new number. Just said the range was too low. So they didn't get credit for raising the forecast because everybody knew it was coming. But given how poorly the stocks perform lately, it just seems nuts that people would sell American Express down here because the guidance wasn't bullish enough. While we knew their forecast was too low, the stock certainly wasn't trading like their forecast was too low. Put it all together. And I think this whole thing, this whole exercise was ridiculous. Ridiculous that Amex sold off on a good number. Maybe that's why the stock ended up rebounding later in the day, jumping from 132 at the lows to 140 at the close. This is a level where American Express has found support all year. Given that it now trades, and this was astounding, but uh, Ben Soto quizzed us in the room in our office when we are working. Uh, how much does it trade? But the multiple? I was saying it's probably about, I don't know, 18. No, it's a 13 times extra estimates. That's a steal at these levels. Bottom line, I think the arguments against best just don't hold water. While the arguments for it, like the incredible pers- persistent t- uh, travel boom, make the stock a natural to buy into weakness. And this quarter, it only made me like it. Bye bye bye! Philip in Michigan, Philip! Booyah, Jim. I'm a member of the investing club, and uh, thanks for all the education.
1: I'm glad that my coworker turned me on to you about 16 years ago.
2: Excellent, excellent, excellent.
1: Over the last year, I've accumulated a position in Huntington Bank with a cost average of about $14.38. My thesis has been the activity in the Midwest being above par because the Intel plant being built in Ohio. I'm presently overweight to the banking sector as I also own Morgan Stanley and Wells Fargo. Looking at today's print, and after listening to the conference, I think winner, winner, chicken dinner. Obviously, the two degrees. What do you think about the last quarter and the future of the stock?
2: I happen to think that Wells Fargo is terrific. You know, it's it's one of my biggest positions in the club. And I really like Huntington Bank very, very much. Wells Fargo, by the way, up another dollar eighteen today. Uh, the only thing me is that I still think you can get Morgan Stanley under seventy, under eighty, and you're going to do very, very well. How about Kevin in Texas, please? Kevin. Hey Jim, booyah, Jim, booyah, Kevin. Hey uh, Jim, my question
1: uh, for you is: uh, I know the S and P had a pretty good rally today.
2: Uh, do you think going into the end of the year, um, do you think it's going to end up higher or lower? And another I think it depends I on the elections. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Think, go ahead. Uh, and also, you think uh, if you think the uh, the fintech has bottomed? Because
1: my stock for you is Square. I'm thinking about starting a position in Square.
2: No, no, don't, no, no, no. We have companies like American Express that are the highest quality in the world, and they're selling down big. We don't need to go with companies that are actually losing money. We're going to say absolutely no to that decision. Let's go to, let's go to no one because we're about to wrap. And that, ladies and gentlemen, well, let's just say this quarter only made me like Amex even more. Much more made money ahead, including Kramer Fave, M.I. Diversified, the face of volatility. I want to thank all these members of the Investment Club, and I'm urging you to join. We are doing some hot, really hot stuff, making sure your portfolio is prepared to handle the action. Maybe you need to switch it up a little. Then I'm often asked the question, is it ever coming back? I'll give you the answer you've been waiting for. It. And all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. The market has been keeping us on our toes recently, and on a daily like today, when everyone thinks everything's so rosy, it's important to remember to be prepared in case things turn for the worst, as they often have. And that's why I want to play a round of Mi Diversify. Make sure your portfolios can withstand any curves the market throws our way. What do you do? Okay, you call me, you tell me your top five holdings, and I tell you if your portfolio's diversified enough. Maybe you need to mix it up a little. Maybe you have too many repetitive situations. So let's start with some of your tweets. Let's go to Tom Seville on Twitter, who says, at Jim Cramer, at Mid on CBC. Jim, thanks for the education you provide in both good times and bad. You bet I do. My five stocks are Abvi, BJ's, DigitalOcean, Callan Petroleum, and Dow. Let's do these. Let's go to work. Just doing a little checking here to be sure I've got this. Um, okay. What do we do? OK, so first of all, we have an infrastructure company, which I'm not so crazy about. But then we have a club company, which we like. We have a very good chemical company. They dropped the name chemical, by the way. They do a lot of other things. Cal Petroleum, we know that's pretty self-evident. And AbbVie, which is a very big holding for our charitable trust. We're going to get rid of Transocean, OK? And what we're going to do is we're going to do a traditional, a traditional uh, industrial here. Because I think it's ready really to roar. I see it going. We're going to add Honeywell, make that trade, and then we're ready to go. Let's take number two. We're going to, uh, next we're going to Bug, which is the name of my late dog, Bug, on Twitter, who says, at Jim Kramer, and it made money on CNBC Builders uh, Builders First Source, Kendra Morgan, uh, Miller Knoll, Realty Income, uh, and United States Steel, MI Diversified. Now, this is another one because we like that real corporate so much, Um OK, so let me just check, because I think that these are very, very tough and I want to do a good job. So you'll have to just excuse me while I look up some of these. Because one of these is a combination of a company that I like very much, but I have not been able to convince people to buy. And that's Miller Knoll. I happen to have, uh, I don't know if you have a Noel, you know, those air, I have a fantastic uh uh, Miller Knoll chair, but the stock is not doing well. So we're going to have to say no to that. Kinder Morgan, there was a downgrade today. I thought the downgrade was foolish, frankly. I like the pipeline company. Really, in- income gives you that terrific uh, monthly deal. Builders first source was well, pretty self evident. And United States Steel. We're going to get rid of U.S. Steel and we're going to make it new core because then we're going to upgrade the portfolio, okay? We're going to keep Kinder Morgan, which has got a good yield. We're going to get rid of Miller Knoll. And what we're going to do is we're going to add life sciences. Now, a lot of people don't realize it. But Eli Lilly hit an all-time high today. And normally that would say, well, wait a second. Why would we add a stock at its all-time high? And the answer is it is doing so well. We have no choice but to offer Eli Lilly, which is one of the largest positions for our charitable trust, which, of course, you can follow by joining, and I urge you to do so, the CBC Investing Club. Let's go to Frank in my home state of New Jersey. Yet, yeah, Frank. Hello, Jim.
3: Thank you for taking my call. This is Frank from New Jersey. Uh, here are my five stocks. Google, Icon Enterprises, Pioneer Natural Resources, Verizon, and Wells Fargo. Am I diversified?
2: Okay, so let's go over these. Icon Enterprises, I've been a, I have been—I like Carl Icon, don't mean wrong. But I don't have any real knowledge of what's inside it. So we don't own stocks like that. Verizon had a terrible quarter, just terrible. But you know what? It's, it's going to have a good quarter next week. Timo, so let's sub Timo. I know you probably want the dividend. I don't care. I want growth. Um, Alphabet, I think, is going to have a great quarter next week. Everyone's written it off. after have to snap. That's crazy. Pioneer Nat, you know, that's my favorite oil company. Trust owns this. Trust owns this. Pioneer reports next week. Wells Fargo, our largest bank. I don't want to get too excited. I got people too excited earlier this year because I'm so excited about dividend boosts and buyback. But it's an expensive stock. You have a bank. You have a telco. We have a tech company. We're getting rid of this. We're going to put Eli Lilly in here. Why not? And we like the Pioneer Nat very, very much. And I hope that makes those changes. I'd make those changes on Monday because this one is really getting nasty. And this one, I don't know what they own. Next up is Ryan in Minnesota. Ryan. Oh, hey there, Jim. It's Ryan from Minneapolis. I want to say thank you for everything you do. I'm also a member of the CNBC
1: Investing Club. A top five holdings for Am I Diversified? Amazon. Huntington Bancorp, Pioneer Natural Resources, MP Materials, and Dana here. Booyah. Wow.
2: Booyah. Okay, look, this is about teaching. I had a lot of soul sourcing with Jeff Marks this week because we liked the market. It, the market was up, but we're trying to do is teach. And what are we trying to teach? That a, cop- a company like Dan and her, very hard to understand, actually represents fantastic life science growth. That Amazon is actually Amazon Web Services. It's also Amazon Advertising. And it's Prime. And don't forget, it's got that Thursday night game, which has been very good, by the way. And I like those announcers. Um, MP Materials, you're going to need that. Those are those rare materials, rare earth materials. Soon we have to get them all in the United States. Uh, Huntington Bank shares. I just, I think the world this bank. I don't care that people don't like the regionals because they're wrong. And I'm right. How do you like that for Hubris. And then, Pioneer Net. we just covered PXT. It's going to be great. So, we have an oil, got a great regional bank, we have a specialty materials company, we have one of the greatest technology companies ever, and we have a life science company. And again, I want to thank that gentleman for a member of the investing club. And I want you to join the investing club. We are working round the clock for you, teaching you. That's what we do best. Man Money's back in. Coming up,
3: Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next.
2: It is time! Time for the lightning round. Round 4:30. Stay with the talk down about by somebody in the room. Play this out. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy, come for the lightning round questions. Let's start with. Frank in Tennessee,
1: Frank. Booyah, Jim! I'm a new Booyah, club Frank. member. I want to thank you yes. for teaching us how to invest and for helping my wife and I retire early. So yes. Um. <laughs> so to, to uh, for getting a better upside run, higher dividend, and to stay diversified, should I sell my profit with Walmart and start a position in Procter and Gamble?
2: Uh, yes, exactly what you should do, as a matter of fact. You lower your risk to be able to raise your reward, actually, and be able to get a better dividend. I think that's an excellent idea, and thank you for being a member of the club so we can teach you how to handle these tough markets. Let's go to Hutch in Arizona. Hutch! Hi, yeah, this is Hutch. How you doing? Hey, uh, what I'm that calling like about is, first of all, I'm a new resident in Arizona, recently moved from Pennsylvania, from lived there, taught school there for 35 years. My um, nice. question, though, regards Iron Mountain. Uh, I haven't had it for several years, mainly for the income. But in recent uh, revelations about their earnings down 30% year over year, I'm a little concerned. Should I be? Um, no. Actually, I still think you'll be okay. I know it's disappointing. Um, I have felt that this stock has been a good stock for a very long time. Right now, I don't want to back away from it, but I'm going to tell you, I'm looking at Ben Soda right now. We may have to do new work on Iron Mountain to see it's as safe as we think it is without just guaranteeing it. That, we don't do that here on have Money. We don't play that game. Let's go to Artie in Florida. Artie. Yeah, hi, Jim. How you doing today? Booyah. I'm doing good. Booyah, Artie. What's going on? Okay, I go way back to the late 60s when 7 million shares was a big day. <laughs> oh, God. You remember oh, those Steve. days. Hey, I used to get the evening bolt and take a look at it and say, wow, look at this. Big volume, <laughs> $7 million. What's going on? I just want to know what your thoughts are about uh, PARA, P-A-R-A, Paramount. No, we uh, don't need no PARA. I mean, what is it going to do, bounce a point? It's like Warner Brothers Discovery. I got to take a look at that one, too. I mean, like, everybody wants me to buy these stocks. Here's what I like. I like Johnson & Johnson. Sorry for the Brothers Johnson have got it all over these other things. Let's go to Ed in California. Ed!
1: Jim, goodness from Northern California. I'm a charter subscriber Uh to your club, and I really appreciate all the work you and your staff do. You guys are just awesome. Last June, you interviewed the CEO of an energy company. I already own a couple of the energy stocks that you recommended, but I did buy a few shares of this company. I got the impression from this interview that this company is a long-term play in natural gas so my long term outlook is one to five years. The company accelerates symbol
2: uh,
1: energy symbol
2: E. Those guys, this is why it is this is why I'm not so worried about Europe this winter. You can get up to, to 99% of their energy because of EE. E. That's a good one. Hey why don't we go to, while we're on a roll here. Let's go to Gary in Texas. Gary Hey happy Friday Jim oh no kidding I wish I could work tomorrow, but that's all right. I'm going to Binney's in Chicago. If you want to see me, how can I help?
1: I hate it. I'm talking about McKesson.
2: Uh, I've got, I've McKesson, the here's, the, here's the thing the the about college. McKesson. Much as I hate to say it, it's always right to slow down. <laughs> my, my arm is stuck. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is conclusion of the Lightning Round.
3: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up... How high is your ceiling? Kramer comments on how to push your portfolio to the limit. Next.
1: Jim Kramer, the diehard of the dollar. Hey, Jimmy, love the
2: show. My five-year-old grandson loves to watch your show.
1: I have to thank you for making us money when it's there to be made.
2: Our world is a better place with you in it. the road, or maybe when I'm an Eagles game, or I'm just strolling down the street in Chicago tomorrow, I get the same question. Is it ever going to come back? To which I say there is no it. The stock market's a convenient fiction. There are companies that are profitable with good cash flow and dividends. They're eventually going to come back when the roller coaster ride is over. But the recent IPO and the SPAC plays? I don't think so. Last November, when the Fed decided to pull the old switcheroo and suck the life out of the IPO market, it seemed like there'd be a pause in companies coming public. Little did we know the IPO window would remain shut for nearly a year. The Fed's aggressive rate hikes also meant there'd be fewer follow-on offerings, the kinds of deals that younger companies need to be able to expand and raise money. The businesses that are new and need the money are the least likely to make it through this tightening cycle. At this point, I think the people running these newer companies are too proud to raise cash with their stocks so low. But my advice to them is there's no price too low to issue stock in this market with your balance sheet. If we're really headed into a Fed-mandated recession, they'll need every penny. And trust me, I've been there myself. Now, today we got a huge rally, and it's given hope to everyone who was wishing the earnings would be good and the Fed might pause after the next rate hike. Today is what it looks like. Neither is necessarily true, though. No, the Fed doesn't want to lower the boom in the economy right before a major election. But most markets simply haven't seen what can happen when the Fed just tightens and tightens and tightens. Businesses with a lot of floating debt, well, they start going under. Companies related to housing start reporting hideous numbers and cutting their forecasts. But there are vast swaths of the market that do just fine. Stocks like some of the ones we own and teach about in the Travel Trust. Stocks like Procter & Gamble or Johnson & Johnson. Right now, these names are scorned because people are back to loving enterprise software and dev apps. Software is software, softwa- I not know, software is whatever. Believe me, though, that's a couple day phenomenon at most. And then the stocks are right back in the bear seat. I know lots of you are thinking and hoping this tightening cycle will soon be over, or else the bond market wouldn't have been so tame today. I think what's going on in bonds is merely a temporary reprieve. Unless we start getting very weak employment numbers, along with the plunge in housing prices, and maybe food's going to come down because the Fed is not going to stop bringing the pain until those figures drop. My feeling is we're still quite away from there. In cycles like this, you have to remember that the Fed will most likely overshoot because they want to make sure that inflation is absolutely dead. Even if it means doing more damage to the economy. Every time we hear from these people, they're laying the groundwork for more rate hikes, something that's pure bluster. Given that the average family is paying $445 more per month for goods and services than they paid at this time last year, my guess is this tightening cycle is nowhere near over. It's got more. That doesn't mean the whole market's untouchable. It means you got to stick with what works. Buy the stocks of profitable fallen angels. Forget about the snaps of the world that arguably have no business, even being publicly traded companies, frankly. Just because you have a funny site that, that allows clever messaging that disappears before your parents see it doesn't mean you have a business. And as awful as snap is, it's honestly still better than your average SPAC or IPO from the class of 2021, which tells you how untru- untouchable those are in the end. Not enough people who invest or trade now have lived through times like these that I have. I know it's tempting to buy beaten-down enterprise software stocks or virtually insolvent companies with intriguing brand names, but if you gave into that temptation during the dot-com collapse, and I saw many do that, well you lost fortunes. Instead, you need this moment right now, Monday morning, to get out of the miners and join me in the majors. As we say in fantasy football, right now we want a high floor, but not a high ceiling. It's not time to make risky uh, bets on down and out speculative stocks. It's time to save dollars and put them in the best, not the worst. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you i find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. The news with Shepard Smith starts now.
1: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses,